Thank you for tuning in. My name is Angel Fall, and this is another installment of Victims to Victorious. And each and every week, we take a look at the gun violence epidemic here in America. And of course, those of you who are listening know that presently we are battling a pandemic around the world. And this, uh, this show is taking a look at some of the fallout from that. Some of the intersections of public health issues we visited in the past, and how the pandemic is in uh, how the pandemic is inflating that, changing that, making it worse for people, etc. So the title of today's show is "No Books, No Bullets: How Safe Are Children at Home Where Guns Are Stored Carelessly." So I, sometimes I paraphrase the title a little bit. Uh, no books, no bullets, how safe for children with guns and at home during the pandemic. So in previous shows, we took a look at the fact that once people were on, knew that they were going to be on lock on various states, gun sales went up as, as much as 10 and 12 percent. I'm sorry, 10 and 12 times. Many gun dealers have reported empty shelves. And on the previous broadcast, we talked about the fact that um, – there were no limits to gun purchases in the same way there were uh, limits to toilet paper. And currently in the pandemic, uh, stores are limiting meat purchases. I don't know if you are in a place where this has occurred. I know that in uh, Connecticut, there is actually a um, a limit at Costco of how much meat you can buy. Uh, I went to the grocery store in Cleveland, Ohio uh, yesterday, and there was no meat available in the cases. So there is a meat shortage, but yet people are allowed to purchase, uh, have been allowed to purchase and stock up on guns. So let's talk about safe storage because there are millions of children at home. So I want to revisit what safe storage is. And this comes from the Giffords Law Center. And if you're following me on Twitter, you can direct message me. I will send you the link itself. Uh, if you are listening on the computer, you can go to Law Center dot giffords dot org slash gun hyphen laws policy hyphen area. So safe storage laws promote responsible gun owning practices by reducing gun owners to store by requiring gun owners to store their weapons, their firearms unloaded and locked when unattended. Unloaded at and locked when unattended. That's very important um, because accidental shootings, of course, can occur when um, children drop a weapon or handle a weapon and a bullet is in the chamber. So returning to the article, if you just tuned in, I'm Angel Fall, and we are looking at the dangers of children who are at home now during the pandemic who may have access to um, guns that are stored improperly. These laws are intended to keep to help prevent unauthorized users, including children, from accessing and using firearms, which can reduce tragedies due to suicide, un- unintentional discharges, and gun thefts. And I want to um, expand that little co- that little word, unauthorized users, because unauthorized users can be teenage boys who want to show off for their friends, but unauthorized users could also be somebody who's prohibited from owning or using. Uh, a handgun because of con- felony uh, convictions, a mental health defect, 
or if there is a domestic violence um, a domestic violence uh, protective order against the person and um, that has not been um, you don't live in a place where the guns have been removed or the person doesn't have to surrender them. So I'm just giving you an um, giving you an example. For instance, if you're a female who owns a gun and your intimate partner has uh, has relinquished his, but your gun is unlocked, I do know of a woman who was killed with her own gun, then you are at risk. And we've talked about it um, several times that you're 500 times as likely if you're a woman in a domestic violence situation to be shot if a gun is present um, in the home. So returning to the article, the article is called Safe Storage. And we're taking a look at what safe storage is first. We're going to talk about the children who are at home and during the pandemic and how this kind of thing can be avoided. Safe gun storage refers to practices that limit accessibility to guns by unauthorized users including minors and thieves. These practices can include locking guns in a secure place, such as a gun safe or cabinet, or using safety devices such as a trigger or cable lock. The most secure way to store firearms are recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics is to store them unloaded, locked, and separate from ammunition. Unloaded, locked, and separated from ammunition. These practices, uh, which include cable locks, are the most secure way to store firearms. More than half of all gun owners store at least one gun unsafely without any locks or other storage measurements measures. In fact, nearly a quarter of all gun owners report storing all of their guns in an unlocked location in their home. So, of course, this is... Um, this is an argument that people make about, well, if the gun is locked, I can't get to it in time. Now, one of the things that most of us have the ability to do, of course, is to call 911. And I'm not saying that you are, if you're listening in this area, that uh, if you're listening online, that the 911 services are all the same in terms of response time. That's based on a couple of things. Uh, that's based on weather, of course. That's based on, um, believe it or not, whether or not you live in a place with 911 coverage. It's based on um, whether other people are using 911 uh, foolishly or so, you know, making a lot of phone calls and uh, blowing up the uh, switchboard. It also makes a difference um, if your address is available and easy to see when the police and first responders uh, come home. Oh come to your house after you call. Another issue too, sometimes when people have a home, they um, are in a certain part of the home and the police uh, cannot find them at first or they're on, a, they're on property and maybe you live on three acres. So these are just all some things to think about. Uh, I was visiting Cleveland, Ohio one day and I called 911 because there was a car abandoned a block away from the police station in the middle of the street during, it was 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I was amazed that I was put on hold and asked to record a message. And by the time I was called back, I was about four or five miles away from where, um, from where I saw the car abandoned. So returning to the Gifford article, and those of you who have listened to me in the past, we often 
we often know, uh, we often use the Gifford site, the Giffords Law Center, to discuss the pandemic, I'm sorry, the epidemic of gun violence. While some data suggests that gun owners with children in the home are slightly more likely than other gun owners to store firearms safely, roughly 4.6 million minors live in a home with loaded, unlocked firearms. So at the beginning of the pandemic, there are approximately 80 million children who are school-aged in America, 80 million children. So you think about how many of those are in a home where the firearms are unlocked and in an unsecure location. Unsecured guns in the home pose a substantial risk to children who may find and use them against themselves or others. Household guns are a major source of weapons used by youth in violence against themselves or others. Between 70 and 90% of guns used in youth suicides, unintentional shootings among children, and school shootings perpetrated by shooters under the age of 18 are acquired from the home or the homes of relatives or friends. Accordingly, the risk of suicide in unintentional shooting among youth increases in homes where guns are kept loaded and unlocked. Unsecured weapons in vehicles also are fueling an epidemic of gun thefts across the country. These guns may be diverted into underground markets where they are used in crimes. We've spoken about that in the past. We've talked about straw buyers. We've talked about unregistered weapons. All of that is a factor. Returning to the Giffords article, according according to the Giffords article, nationally, representative representative survey data suggests that approximately 380,000 guns are stolen from an individual gun owner each year. From 2006 to 2016, so this data uh, was uh, taken over a 10-year period of time. And remember, when we look at data, it's often not immediately current because it had to be gathered. It had to be gathered and then um, compiled and then published. So from 2006 to 2016, the number of guns reported stolen from individuals increased by approximately 60%. Similarly, many cities have reported alarming spikes in the number of firearms stolen from cars. An analysis of more than 23,000 stolen firearms recovered by police between 2010 and 2016 found that the majority of these weapons were recovered in connection with crimes, including more than 1,500 violent acts such as murder, kidnapping, and armed robbery. Safe storage behavior can help to help mitigate the risk of unsecured guns with studies showing that these practices can prevent both firearm injuries and gun thefts. Estimates suggest that modest increases in the number of American homes safely storing firearms could prevent about a third of youth gun deaths due to suicide and unintentional firearm injury compared with people who stored their firearm unlocked and or loaded, those who stored their firearms safely were less likely to die by firearm suicide. Gun owners who do not safely store their firearms are significantly more likely to have their guns stolen. Safe storage laws may help increase compliance with safe storage behaviors. In fact, one study found that states with a law in place 
that required handguns to be locked, at least in certain circumstances, experienced reduced rates of firearm suicide. We've spoken before that a white man is most likely to use a gun on himself. And it is his own weapon, and it has been in the house for a long time. In other words, in previous shows, the data show, previous broadcasts, the data shows, that makes it more clear, that the white man who who shoots himself with a firearm has very likely had that gun in the home and has been living with the gun versus going out and purchase one, purchasing one to, to um, do himself harm. In October 2005, as part of the Protection of Lawful Commerce in Arms Act, Congress passed and the president signed into law legislation making it unlawful for any licensed importer, manufacturer, or dealer to sell or transfer any handgun unless the transferee is provided with a secure gun storage or safety device. The law includes various exceptions, including transfers to other federal arm licensees, law enforcement officers, and federal, state, or local agencies. The legislation does not apply to transfers by private sellers and does not require that transferees use the device. That's been a problem. Selling guns to your neighbor, selling guns to your nephew, these sales that are not on the books. There are no current federal standards for locking devices. I'm going to read that again. There are no current federal standards for locking devices. On January 16, 2013, President Obama signed a series of executive orders to address gun violence and school safety in the wake of Newtown, Connecticut school massacre in December 2012. One of these orders calls for the Consumer Product Safety Commission to review the effectiveness of gun locks and gun safes, including existing voluntary industry standards, industry standards, and takes any steps that may be warranted to improve the standards. As stated by the President, we also need to make sure that gun locks and gun safes work as intended. Several gun locks have been subject to recall due to their failure to function properly. That is not acceptable. Eleven states have laws requiring firearm locking devices. Massachusetts is the only state that generally requires that all firearms be stored with a lock in place. California, Connecticut, and New York impose this requirement in certain situations. Other state laws regarding locking devices are similar to the federal law in that they require locking devices to accompany certain gun manufacturers sold or transferred. Five of the 11 states also set standards for the design of locking devices or require them to be approved by a state agency for effectiveness. So here I have a chart that I'm going to share with you. And if you are online or interested in doing your own research, I want you to go to lawcenter.gifford.org. And the article is um, gun law policies, uh, type in gun law policies, children, safe storage, etc. And you can find it right away. So I mentioned living in Connecticut. And Connecticut... Uh, law is blurry. It says firearms must be kept locked sometimes. Locks must accompany dealer sales and for that it just says um, handguns only. Locks must accompany private sales. Uh, that's uh, That's not the law in Connecticut. Locks must meet standards to be approved. 
Yes, that's the standard. We often talk about Illinois, and hopefully over the summer we will be able to um, to broadcast from Illinois. That would be fantastic. So, um, Illinois, locks must accompany dealer sales, and that's for handguns only, but yet it has to meet a standard. So, each state has a different rule, and many of us who want gun safety, are, are we really want to urge... Uh, we want to urge you, if you're if you're interested in gun safety, to let your legislators know or your local town officials know that you would like an ordinance so that children, um, especially in a pandemic where probably 80 million children are at home, they're not always sitting in front of the computer. Uh, they're not always engaged in the lesson. And children who don't have any idea where a weapon is stored could very well find one during this pandemic. So that's why we're addressing this issue. We want gun storage to be safe, and more children are at home with these improperly stored uh, guns. Another state uh, that uh, Maryland, the locks must accompany dealer sales, handguns only. Michigan, locks must accompany dealer sales, yes. New Jersey, handguns only, uh, must have a lock. In New York... Sometimes locks must accompany dealer sales. Pennsylvania, handguns only. Rhode Island, handguns only. So this was a list of five of the states who also set standards for the design of locking devices or require them to be approved by a state agency for effectiveness. So the locks that are approved, remember when going into this, the article pointed out that some locks were faulty. And that, of course, could be very tragic. Uh, and it could be just dangerous, may have resulted in unintentional discharge. Locks must meet standards to be approved. There are five states that have set this as a standard for themselves. California, Connecticut, Maryland, Massachusetts, and New York. Ohio, where I am broadcasting right now, it says locks must accompany dealer sales. That's the title of the column. And it says offer only. I'm not even sure what that means. Description of state laws regarding the safe storage of firearms. States requiring that all all firearms be stored with the locking device in place when the firearms are not in use. The state bars storing or keeping any firearm unless it is secured in a locked container or equipped with a tamper-resistant mechanical lock or other safety device. This requirement does not apply to any farm firearm carried by or under the control of a lawfully authorized user. The District of Columbia, according to this article, has established a strong yet non-binding policy that each firearm registrant should keep any firearm in his or her possession unloaded and either disassembled or secured by a trigger lock gun safe lock box or other secure device so um, those of you uh, listening might remember that um, DC at one time prohibited the actual ownership of handguns and that had to be litigated by the Supreme Court so we're looking today to see if there are children at risk in homes today because approximately 80 million children are not going leaving the house and going to school. 
and they could be in a home where firearms are improperly stored. Three states require firearms to be stored with a locking device in place if the person resides with someone who is ineligible to possess firearms. New York enacted a law in 2013 that requires a fire, requires a firearm owner to keep his or her firearm locked if he or she lives with a convicted felon, a domestic abuser, or a person with a federally prohibited mental health history. And we did we did mention that um, we did mention that at the beginning of the show who was an authorized um, who was an authorized user. I'm going to just briefly go over that again. New York enacted a law in 2013 that requires a firearm owner to keep his or her firearm locked if he or she lives with a convicted felon, a domestic abuser, or a person with a federally prohibited mental health history. So um, what we're looking at here, too, the reason why I'm mentioning New York is New York was the, um, the, New York was the epicenter of the pandemic and we talked about the way the domestic violence uh, incidents had gone up in New York City since many people were on a type of lockdown. Uh, so it's interesting to see that New York already had this uh, had this law in place. We're, we are talking about children because so many children are home, but of course adults end up with unintentional injuries from improperly stored firearms as well. So in 2018, uh, 73 children were um, killed in shooting accidents in 2018. The facts of children killed by guns appears in something called thetrace.org. If you are following me online, you can navigate there and also take a look at what is going on uh, with these articles that I'm reading. You can always very you can always verify that for yourself. If you just tuned in, you can follow me on Twitter because my, my name is On Air Angel. And each and every week we talk about the epidemic of gun violence. So injury is the leading cause of death of American children and adolescents, counting for over 60% of all deaths in this group. Many of these deaths occur during fun everyday activities, but a disproportionate and disturbing number of these deaths in the United States occurs as a result of firearms. And that is from The Trace, written by Mark A. Zimmerman, Patrick Carter, and Rebecca Cunningham. Returning to the Gifford article, it's going through some more of the states. I'm not reading all of it to you. It's 10 pages long. I do respond to direct messages on Air Angel. But California has the most comprehensive laws with respect to firearm locking devices. In California, all firearms manufactured by the state are sold or transferred by a state licensed dealer, including private transfers conducted through licensed dealers, must include or be accompanied by a firearm safety device approved by the State Department of Justice. A firearm safety device is defined as a device other than a gun safe that locks and is designed to prevent children and other unauthorized users from firing a firearm. Again, if you just tuned in, the unauthorized users as defined in this article are convicted felons, domestic abusers, abusers, or 
persons with a federally prohibited mental health history. A firearm safety device is defined as a device other than a gun safe. And so we are discussing what that is. And of course, we're talking about layers of safety as well. If your gun is um, not loaded and in a gun safe and your ammunition is kept separate, advocates who want to bring down the um, accidental death injuries believe or the and it's not just death it can be you get shot in the eye you get shot in the toe uh, you damage furniture you accidentally um, uh, shoot a pet all these type of accidental injuries still can make somebody sick and can be life-changing so california is the state with the most comprehensive laws and california says that the device may be installed on a firearm be incorporated into the design of the firearm or prevent access to the firearm. Sales and transfers by licensed dealers are exempt if the purchaser provides proof of ownership of an approved safety device or gun safe meeting state standards. State standards. In Massachusetts, any handgun or assault weapon sold without a safety device designed to prevent discharge by unauthorized users is considered to be defective. The sale of such a weapon constitutes a breach of warranty and an unfair or deceptive trade act or practice. I like the way Massachusetts, um, even though this is a show about public health interventions, Massachusetts has decided to make it more of a customer service issue, a manufacturer issue. And so that's one way that public health does, in fact, engage the public by working with other stakeholders, including corporations, which is kind of surprising uh, on this show, but corporations as well as nonprofit governments. Uh, the article that I'm looking at now in more detail is from The Trace. You can find it. You can type in children and teens, and we're looking at firearm death rates in children and teens. Since 2013, fatal firearm injuries for children and teens have risen unabated. Rates of death from firearm among, among ages 14 to 17 percent are now, I'm sorry, from teenagers 14 to 17, are now 22.5% higher than motor vehicle-related deaths. I'm letting that fall on your ears for a second. In the United States, middle and high school children are more likely to die as a result of a firearm injury than from any other single cause of death. For Americans between the ages of 1 and 19, a little over half, of 2017 firearm-related deaths are homicide. Another 30%, 38% of firearm-related deaths in this age group are suicides, while the rest are from unintentional injuries or undetermined causes. What's more, the United States has had uh, 1,316 school shootings since 1970. This article is a little bit, I mean, the article uh, is not up to date because there are some, there are some um, shootings that occurred uh, since we've been in the pandemic, the number of these tragic events have been increasing with 18% of the total occurring in the past seven years since the Newtown school shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School. School shootings are a focus of media attention and a raise awareness about the problem of firearm deaths among children, but they remain the smallest portion of deaths, accounting for 1.2% of all homicides among 5 to 18-year-olds. So, yes, they're sensationalized. But the child lives with a gun that's unlocked, ammunition is 
in the chamber. Um, it's, you know, out not out of reach. Those children are more likely to be shot at home than they are in a um, school setting. African-American children and teens are more than eight times more likely to die from firearm homicide than their white counterparts. And that's something that has been a constant theme of the show. We've been talking about that and uh, hoping that we could make a difference in educating people as to how it occurred. African-American children and teens are more likely than eight, more than eight times more likely to die from firearm homicide than their white counterparts. Firearms have been the leading cause of death for African-American youth for well over a decade. Firearm suicide rates are highest among American Indian, Alaskan Native, and white children and teens compared with other racial groups. And, of course, for many of our Native American um, brothers and sisters, and, of course, many of us are actually, you know, mixed with Native American by by, uh, different roots, but many of them also, their uh, suicide and unintentional death, there is an alcohol component. Firearm deaths per 100,000 minors by race. This is a chart that you can find on the trace.org. Between between 2006 and 2016, black Americans under the age of 19 had the highest overall death rate by firearms. So the numbers here go like this. Black or African American, overall the rate is 7.1. The homicide rate is 6.24. And the suicide rate is 0.44 and unintentional injuries 0.27. White, which I often compare to, the overall rate of firearm deaths is 2.00. The homicide is 0.85, but the suicide is 0.99, with undetermined being 0.12. And we mentioned Native Americans. Uh, The overall uh, firearm death rate in Native Americans is higher uh, for Alaskan Natives, Native Americans than it is for white at 2.37. The homicide rate is 0.9, which is still higher than white. And I'm sorry, it's uh, yeah, a little higher. And then the suicide rate is 1.11. So they actually have, in this article, they're presenting you with the, the um, data that shows that the Native American teenagers are more likely even in the white, to use the firearm on themselves. Researchers have limited information on the reasons for these racial disparities. We suspect they are likely a result of a number of factors, including social and economic status, firearm availability and accessibility, and lack of access to mental health services. Although firearm-related deaths of children and teens living in urban, suburban, and rural communities are similar, similar, Rural rates of firearm suicide are twice as high, and unintentional firearm injuries are four times higher than in urban communities. Meanwhile, firearm homicide rates are twice as high in urban than in rural communities. So if you're listening, we're talking the difference about who's being harmed with the gun. So the last sentence of this paragraph, meanwhile, firearm homicide rates are twice as high in urban than in rural communities, and of course, black and brown people, 
are concentrated in some of these cities. We've mentioned them, Philadelphia, Chicago, Cleveland, et cetera. So we um, will pass 30 minutes into our show. We're going to take time to um, check in with um, the Black Talk Radio Network. I'm Angel Fall, and you're listening to Victims to Victorious. Make Black Talk Radio your choice for digital black radio. New black media for the new millennium. So what is an unintentional discharge? Uh, We've just um, been speaking about storing your gun safely. Who is most likely to use the gun on themselves? How these unsecured weapons are dangerous in the home? And we we are having a pandemic around the world. Many of us in the United States... Are all, we're already involved in the gun violence movement to reduce gun violence. And as a, um, a tenant of the show, the public health solutions to gun violence, what we're interested in speaking about. And just like during a pandemic, there's containment, for instance. Uh, there's some, there is a way for you as an individual to keep yourself safer. So if you are a person listening to the show, you may not realize how um, unsafe your weapons are in the way that you've stored them. Obviously, if you live in some of the states we mentioned, like California, uh, you would have to have your weapons stored properly anyhow. But if you don't have your weapons stored properly, think about uh, taking the bullets out, thinking about keeping the ammunition away from the gun itself. Think about purchasing a gun safe. You can still order things online during the pandemic. Uh, you can go limited limited hours from any retail stop shops, and so I just want to explain a little bit about unintentional discharge, which is an accidental dis- discharge according to Wikipedia. This may occur when the trigger of the firearm is deliberately pulled for for purpose other than shooting, dry fire practice demonstration, or function testing, but ammunition is unintentionally left in in the chamber. So accidental or negligent discharges of a firearm can be a criminal uh, can be a criminal offense in some parts of the United States. Um, some parts of the United States, accidental discharges when they are papered as a case, it, um, it's highly discretionary in some courts uh, about whether or not this has occurred. This article uh, that we're looking at is by Christopher Coble Esquire. Accidents happen to the to the best of us, but some accidents are more dangerous than others, and some accidents can carry criminal charges and penalties, so it is with accidental shootings. The Sunshine State, Florida, laws against discharging firearms in public or residential property stipulates any person who recklessly or negligently discharges a firearm outdoors on any property used primarily as the site of a dwelling or zoned exclusively for residential use, commits a misdemeanor of the first degree. The penalties for first-degree misdemeanors in Florida include up to 12 months in jail or $1,000 in fine. It would be very interesting to look and see um, how standard ground laws work, have been enforced, allowing people to obviously discharge these weapons in other places that they're not supposed to, um, but the standard ground law allows people to feel entitled to shooting um, in places where I, I've seen a video in Florida even 
where a man was shot at a playground with children playing because of the stand your ground law. So that is the legal definition of accidental discharge or firearm. We are um, about 20 minutes left on Victims 2 Victorious. And we're taking a look at firearm storage. We began with the Giffords Law Center article called Safe Storage. And um, we want to take a look, too, at what are children what are children doing at home where they don't feel compelled to use, to, to look around the house and find something to do. Many of us have heard, um, many of us have heard of this uh, old ad- adage that Satan finds things for idle hands or um, um, being bored is the devil's handiwork, things like that. So if you're keeping up with your children right now, um, what are, where are they, for instance, where are they taking their lessons? If they're sitting in the living room for four or five hours uh, watching their teachers and signing online to get things done, and you have a weapon stored there, you might not have thought about it till you heard, um, till you heard this, um, this broadcast today. So a, a prudent thing would be, obviously, it seems like, seems like it's common sense, to remove the gun from the area where the children are doing their studies or, or encourage your children to do their studies in their room. You know, when I was a child and the parent told you not to open a box or not to go in this place or that place, we were very um, we were very obedient. But anyone who's been out in public with people's children now see that a lot of children don't listen to their parents. Uh, they talk back to their parents to the point where they could be endangered, okay? So if more families locked up their guns, hundreds of young children would not have experienced death or suicide or fatal injuries. There's an article here um, on the MIN post, okay, M-I-N-N-P-O-S-T, the MIN post, and we're going to take a look at what they say. Up to a third of gun-related suicides and unintentional deaths among American children and teens could be prevented if more of the adults living with them simply stored all of their firearms safely, according to the study published online, uh, through JMA Pediatrics, so that's uh, the Journal of American uh, I'm JAMA. I should remember the uh, acronym, but I don't right now. So JAMA Pediatrics. So pediatric doctors, pediatricians have been looking at this for a while, and there's some some of the most uh, uh, vocal advocates of this gun safety. When you become a, a pediatrician. You're not expecting a child to present with gunshot wounds. You're expecting to give immunizations. You're expecting to advise the mothers on nursing. But the JAMA Pediatrics Journal um, has has published many articles in this area, and they are really good, strong advocates of keeping the guns away from children and not only the suicide and the unfortunate deaths, but maiming, being handicapped for life, accidentally shooting a sibling, I think we've all heard of that. Safe storage means locking up the guns unloaded and storing the ammunition in a separate location, also under lock and key. Again, this is from minpost.com. The study also underscores the need to further develop and test approaches that will more effectively motivate parents to store firearms safely. And here's my commentary. The irony of storing them in an unsafe place, loaded, uh, the ammunition is 
you know, the ammunition is in the drawer and the gun is under the bed. I mean, that's probably a feeble attempt. But the irony here is that the children who the parents are trying to keep safe are the most likely people to be injured in an accidental discharge. Returning to the study that appears in MinPost, the study also underscores the need to further develop and test approaches that will more effectively motivate parents to store firearms safely, the researchers say. The subtitle here is the second leading cause of death. A background information in the study points out less than a third of gun-owning adults who live with children report storing their guns unloaded and locked up. Surveys have also revealed that few gun owners understand how risky it is not to store guns safely. And that speaks that speaks to my commentary. Yet gunshot-related wounds claim the lives of about 3,000 children and adolescents in the United States each year, making it the second leading cause of death behind motor vehicle accidents among young people aged 1 to 19. And we, we, we looked at that figure a little bit earlier. When you're doing research and presenting your point, it's good to have more than one source. The authors of the current study, researchers from Boston Children's Boston, Boston Hospital, the T.H. Chan Harvard School of Public Health and Northeastern University wanted to determine how many deaths of young people could be prevented by even a modest increase in safe household firearm storage. To conduct the study, the researchers used household data on firearm ownership and storage for 2015. That year was chosen because it was the most recent one for which several key data sources were available. Data on gun violence is difficult to obtain, primarily because of the 1996 Tiki Amendment, which has had the effect of greatly limiting federal funding for research that might lead to any form of gun control. Now, that's the Dickey Amendment spelled out correctly. Yes, you can do research, but your hands are tied in a certain way. The data revealed that 13 million households with children contained firearms in 2015. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the acronym is CDC, about 14,000 children and adolescents were treated for non-fatal firearm injuries this year. Those injuries resulted in 2,800 deaths, including more than 1,100 by either suicide or unintentional firearm injury. So you're seeing there, there are several words that describe that describe this. Accidental discharge, for instance. Using all this data, the authors of the JAMA Pediatric Study conducted a Monte Carlo simulation to determine how the gun-related death rate for young people might have been different in 2015 if more adults had simply locked their guns up. And see, that's what we're talking about in public health. The intervention oftentimes is so so full of common sense, so easy to apply, and yet when it's not when it's not applied, um, people are looking around and saying, "What could have happened?" So that's that's what we're saying. What could have happened here? And so this article um, this article says that they did a simulation to determine. What would happen if the guns were simply 
locked up. The data revealed that 13 million households with children contained firearms in 2015. Those injuries resulted in 2,800 deaths. We mentioned that earlier. I'm just tying the article back together after my commentary. If you just tuned in, we have about uh, a little less than 15 minutes to go. The title of today's show is No Books, No Bullets, How Safe Are Children with Guns in a Home During a Pandemic? Remember, during this pandemic, many, many, many people, adults, children alike, are at home together, and this can cause family strife. You're not normally at home with people 24-7. Other research has shown that 90% of the guns used in youth suicides come from the person's own home, and that's also true for adults. Similarly, 90% of the guns involved in the unintentional death of a child and adolescents come from the home of the victim or from the home of the victim's relative or friend. Using all this data, the authors of the JAMA Pediatric Study conducted a Monte Carlo simulation. The simulation found that if 10% more households with children and teenagers had locked up their guns, 50 more young people would be alive today. That's very simple math. Very simple math. I'm going to read it again. The simulation found that if 10% more households with children and teenagers had locked up their guns in 2015, 50 more young people would be alive today. So that's a very simple public health measure. So they're creating a model that says, how can we reduce the numbers? How can we reduce the incidents, the new cases? How can we actually prevent children from being shot? Those are some of the research um, objective questions. If 20% more households had done so, 99 young people's deaths would have been prevented. And if 50% more households had locked up their guns, 251 children and teens would still be alive. Saving lives through promoting safer storage has great, but as yet unrealized potential, the researchers concluded, conclude. The study has several limitations to begin with. The data is used on the relationship between gun storage practice and the risk of firearm injuries among young people come from a single study conducted more than 15 years ago. In addition, although locking up firearms may prevent gun-related suicide, it may not keep young people from using a different method to end their lives. Other research, including a study published earlier this year in the American Journal of Preventive Medicine, has found, however, a strong relationship between household gun ownership and the rate of youth suicide across the states. And, of course, the Giffords Law article that I began with believes that there is a strong relationship. As one of the authors of the study told reporters for the Atlantic magazine, suicide among youth can be an impulsive behavior. If you get past that moment of time, you can have a change of mood. Other methods are not as quick or as lethal as guns. Furthermore, as the authors of JAMA Pediatrics study point out, their estimates regarding uh, their estimate regarding the young the number of lives could be saved by locking up guns are mostly likely conservative. That's because they looked up only one aspect of safe firearm storage. Locking firearms is not the only way 
to reduce the risk of injury from household firearms, they explained. Keeping all guns unloaded and locking away ammunition offer additional safety benefits and would likely save additional lives. Of course, as the American Academy of Pediatrics uh, pediatrics advises the safest home for a child is one without guns. So the uh, article writer for this is Susan Perry, and she writes second opinion for Men Post covering consumer health. She's written several health-related books, and her articles have appeared in a wide variety of publications. So. Um, The article, if you wish to find it, it's called If More Families Locked Up Their Guns, Hundreds of Young People's Lives Could Be Saved Every Year. And uh, if you can't find these articles, you can direct message me on Twitter, On Air Angel. That's On Air Angel. So we have have about uh, less than 10 minutes to go. So what I wanted to do was to remind the listeners about what type of exact safety measures are there, like what types of gun locks are available, for instance. And we talked about storing your guns in a safe place. That does get, uh, that does get a little bit nebulous, but uh, a locked, I'm sorry, a loaded weapon in your purse, for instance, that is not... A safe place. Some of the stuff, you know, I would hope that some of this stuff is common sense, but it isn't exactly. So one of the things that can be done with today's modern weapons is you can get a biometric finger place, fingerprint safe box that's made out of cold rolled steel. It's a strong box. So it's a biometric fingerprint. So what is a biometric fingerprint? What is this technology? Why is this technology important? So a biometric fingerprint, I'm going to define it for you. If you are using a safe, um, if you are using a safe deposit, I mean not safe, a safe to deposit your guns, it's going to take your fingerprint. And of course, many of to open it. Many of us have seen this kind of thing in a movie. So this technology is actually available. It's not just Mission Impossible, but you can actually have a biometric fingerprint that you place on uh, the gun safe and it opens just for the people whose fingerprint it has stored. Okay? That's one way. So there are several, there are several different types of gun locks, but that is, that is one of them. Now keeping the ammunition away from the gun itself, that is a practice that can help you. So what is what is a gun lock? Uh, if you go to um, Johns Hopkins uni- uh, University School of Public Health, uh, you will see that they actually demonstrate, uh, they actually, one of their professors actually demonstrates how she keeps her weapons locked and the different kinds of weapons that there are. And she is a gun owner. She is a gun owner, and she's an advocate for gun safety. So there are types of locks, and I'm going to give you some of them, um, the names of them shortly. Uh, If you just tuned in, we are discussing how to keep your gun safe from children, 
during this pandemic who would not normally um, would not normally be at home, and therefore they have more access to looking around. They are maybe are playing in rooms that they would not normally play in. If you have young children and teenagers and you are a gun owner, I'm highly recommending that you rethink and reevaluate, are your guns safe? The, the basic thing of ammunition away from the weapon itself is one thing, and in the few minutes that we have left, we're few minutes that we have left, we're going to talk about the types of locks that there are. So one of the locks, it's very much, it looks like a uh, bicycle lock. There are two primary types of locks to protect handguns and rifles, trigger locks. They're supposed to prevent the trigger from being pulled. And cable locks to prevent the firing of a weapon by blocking the barrel or the use of ammunition. You can find this article on E-N-G-A-D-G-E-T. That's E-N like Nancy, G like George, A-D like dog, G-E-T. So there are two primary locks to prevent handguns. We discuss it. One is we're going to discuss it. They're supposed to prevent the trigger from being pulled, the cable lock to prevent the firing of a weapon by blocking the barrel or the use of of ammunition. In this article, they have evaluated it. And, again, these are the opinions of the people who have evaluated it. We've evaluated several popular locks to assess their security. I'm not going to name all the models. Um, no expertise is required, nor is locksmith training. Reference manuals are not needed. There's plenty of information on the Internet for kids to find and read. So this is one of the um, – this article points out the fact that a teenager may be able to defeat your lock uh, and find – and put everything together. But certainly for children uh, who have the minimum hand pressure, toddlers and kindergartners and first graders, these things can work, the cable lock and the trigger lock. So gun locks, unlike most other types of devices, present a unique risk of harm expressing to children they are improperly designed or cheaply made. In my view, in this article, I'm quoting the article, Virtually none of the inexpensive consumer-grade trigger or cable locks are secure. The false sense of security shades the truth, which is why they should not be relied on for any measure of protection and rendering lethal weapons inoperable. We know that guns are an attractive nuisance for children. That is why the California legislator led the nation and enacted laws to protect kids. Gun lock manufacturers should act responsibly and either fix the design efficiencies and defects in their products or withdraw them from the market before tragedy results. The writer of this article says, I urge Project Child Safe to push for more stringent testing requirements for these devices. And this article was written by Mark Weber Tobias. And at the beginning of the show, I listed the states that said your, your gun lock must meet standards to be approved. So it's not just any old gun lock. Your gun lock must meet standards to be approved. So I want to thank you for tuning in to Victims to Victorious. We have been taking a look at uh, how the pandemic has affected us in ways that nobody was thinking about. So one of the ways the pandemic has affected us is that there are way more children at home, in the home, where guns are improperly stored. There are approximately 80 children at home 
80 million, I'm sorry, approximately 80 million children that are school age, that are at home and could be at risk for an accidental or unintentional injury. Each and every week, Victims 2 Victorious takes a look at public health solutions for gun violence. And during the pandemic, we've been taking a look at a little bit of a neat neat chair of how the pandemic has um, impacted gun violence. We have discussed domestic violence, and today we have been discussing the improper storage of handguns in homes where children are not going to be uh, where children are more likely to be shot with the gun owned by their parents. So I want to thank you for tuning in. If you have questions or comments, please leave them on my webpage. Go to the blacktalkradionetwork.com. Take a look at, um, you should see a graphic that says V2V, Victim 2 Victorious. The title of today's show is No Book, No Bullets, How Safe for Children with Guns in a Home during the pandemic. I'm Angel Safal, and thank you so much for listening to the Black Talk Radio Network.